This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to invite you to follow the podcast over on Telegram. Just search for Mr. Productivity. Award-winning five-time career entrepreneur with over 20 years under her comfy keds. She retired her high heels years ago. Jennifer Love is a thought leader with a heart that matches her name. Her degrees, training, and research in human and organizational behavioral psychology are the foundation for her clinical work. She's currently the visionary CEO of the Living Wealthy Institute, helping world leaders develop a healthy relationship with wealth free from overwhelm and anxiety by following a regenerative money equation for a holistic and nourishing experience. Leaders who know how to raise, manage, grow, and contribute money can live soulful, wealthy lives to become allies for future generations to come. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mark. I am so glad you're here because you were supposed to already have been here, but Mm -hmm. uh, life intervened. Life has its twists and turns, doesn't it? Yes, I was in back in May, I was um, riding a horse with a client and the horse said, hey, get off. And so (laughs) 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 it bucked me off and uh, the horse's name is Axe and uh, Axe just apparently didn't want me to be up on him anymore. And I went flying down and and landed right on my butt and uh, crushed my spine in the process. So it has been uh, just over three months. The doctors said that if I did ever walk again, it would probably be one to two years that I'd have full recovery. And I can, I'm happy to report that three and a half months later, I am walking, I am kayaking, I am jump squatting, <laughs> and, and I'm not 100% back to normal, but I am pretty darn close. And I would say it's it's about over the 90% line. Um, so I'm really, really grateful. I'm really, really honored. And I'm just thanking God every day that I'm here, I'm walking, and I'm alive. Now, the first question I have for you is, have you been back to see X? I have not. No, <laughs> I did call while I was in the rehab hospital and checked on him just to make sure X was okay. But, you know, people, the doctors have asked and lots of people have asked, so Jennifer, are you going to get back on a horse again? I'm like, you know what? You betcha. And because I am not going to carry a fear mm-hmm. of riding a horse around with me for the rest of my life. I mean, this is a big part of work I do. I need to be taking my own medicine and living by this, you know, so helping people work through their fears specifically around money is my jam. So I don't want to have a fear about riding a horse um, in my life. Yeah, I just had this vision that you went to Axis Stable and just had a heart to heart, but I guess my vision didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Well, what a name, Jennifer Love. I mean, when I first met you, I don't even remember how we connected months ago, but I'm like, to have a name like Love, I mean, that is like so awesome. What what a name you're blessed with. Thank you. I, I really embrace it. It's the thing that I believe we want the most in our life, and it's certainly the thing that I want to give the most in my life. Um, and it, it's pretty fitting because I come from a Celtic um, background that's largely like over 
90% Celtic. And the name love, the word love comes from the Celtic culture. Um, and so it dates back from many, 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 you know, it's L, it was t- traditionally L-U-V um, and it got converted to L-O-V-E over time. Oh, really? So mm-hmm. all these Valentine's greeting cards, it says L-U-V, they're actually spelling it the traditional way. The traditional Celtic way. Wow. Correct. I bet they don't know that, though. I bet the greeting card companies don't know that. <laughs> You're probably right, Mark. <laughs> wow. So today is August the 19th. What is on your heart today? Because I really want, because I know you have a lot of stuff on your heart, but what do you want to share with my entrepreneurial audience today? Hmm. Well, let's, let's have the money conversation. Let's have the wealth, the wealth, the living wealthy conversation, right? And what is money? What is wealth really? And we live in a society, Mark, where, you know, how we're holding success, money, wealth. I mean, you know, this on the productivity side, how we hold, what is, what does it mean to be productive? You know, a lot of people are not necessarily defining that in a way that actually serves them. But I believe that the same is true when it comes to money, wealth, and success. We're holding it in a way that it's something outside of ourself. It's something far, far away that I have to go get. I have to work hard for. I must slave away suffer. We normalize suffering as, as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as humans, um, and martyrdom has, you know, in large part taken over the land. I mean, we're watching movies, um, you know, all the DC Marvel movies, you know, it's about the hero, right? We sacrifice and suffer in this world in order to be great, in order to have success, in order to be revered, because then, oh, then will I be enough? Then, oh, then will I feel lovable? And the truth is, I believe that our success, our wealth, and money, which I associate with value, like how are we being of value in ourselves and the relationship with ourselves, but also with other and the exchange of that value out into the world and with ourselves, right? That's money. And so these things and how we're holding them, I, I see that we, we're largely getting it wrong and, and we're suffering as a result of it. And we're making decisions as a result from, in large part, a place of fear a place of anger, a place of resentment. What we know as scientists about emotion and money is that 90% of our financial decisions are being made based on our emotions. So when people say, hey, Jennifer, what does emotion have to do with money? I say, well, just about everything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I'm a big fan of Grant Cardone, and I remember him saying once that a lot of people say they don't want to pay taxes. And, and he said something, two things that really resonated with me. And I want to know your thoughts on this. Number one, he says, when you pay more taxes, means you're making more money, which means you can help more people. That's thing one. He goes, thing two is when you have more money, you have more problems, but they're different problems. He's, you want to keep moving the ball forward. So many people are like, well, I don't want to pay taxes, but you're using the roads. Uh, your kids are going to school, so you should pay taxes. And I don't think we should try to uh, stiff the school district or skiff the, stiff the, the government. So what do you think about Grant Cardone saying that when you pay more taxes, you're making more money? You, you align with that or not? I would in large part be in line with that. I think um, 
I think that that isn't necessarily always true. There are lots of loopholes where people are getting away with not paying, you know, lots of taxes. Uh, but certainly those folks are also making more and more money. Um, so what I what I don't know if I agree with with Grant Cardone is the second piece of that, um, which you, you say it again, Mark, there was another piece that you said, and I was like, Ooh, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that one. He says, when you make more money, you have more problems, but they're different problems. Yeah. Where you have bigger problems. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a belief we're walking around in the world with that. If I'm going to make a lot more money, I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot more issues. I'm going to have a lot more problems. Well, that's one way to do it. But there's a lot of other ways to do it too. We can simplify our life, our business, and we can outsource our our life and, and our business and to some degree, not our entire life, but we can get support so that as we continue to expand, think about it in terms of the gar- like the gardening situation. You know, you've got one garden or an orchard, and you can probably manage that yourself. But if you're if you're going to expand into multiple orchards and have acres and acres of orchards, you're going to need help. So do your problems actually increase? Well, I guess that's one way to hold it. But another more maybe abundant way to hold that is actually I've got more support than I ever needed or have by bringing in the support that I need by sitting down with someone like you, Mark, and saying, let me actually look at how I can be most efficient and most productive productive with not only how things are being done and run, but how I'm using my energy to do it. So is that really more of a problem? I don't know. I don't think it has to be that way. I think we can actually, sure, do they transmute into different problems? I would agree with that. But does does it have to be more? I don't think so. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. Very interesting. Well, on my wrist right now, I have one of his sayings on my wristband, and it says, who's got my money? And... I love that saying because I've been an entrepreneur since 2005 and I stumbled and bumbled for like most of that time. I didn't know what I was doing. I was investing in coaches without vetting them. I was investing in courses without vetting them. And I don't blame the course. I don't blame the coach. It's my fault. I didn't do the vetting. But I never understood that in order for me to be successful, I've got to think about who am I going to serve and how can I serve them the best way possible? And so now the reminder who's got my money makes me realize, okay, I need to spend time on income producing activities, not changing the font on my website, not changing the color of this background or changing, you know, this other stuff, but we got to work on serving people because I promise you, Mm -hmm. you changing the font of your website is not going to get you your financial goals. I, I I really, I I, I really (laughs) got to believe you agree with me on that. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, fonts are, fonts are important to a certain level, but it's not what's going to grow your wealth for sure. Yes. So I want to ask you about happiness because I know people, and you probably do too, uh, who are making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. They're barely getting by. They're really happy. 
And we know people who are very wealthy and they're not happy. Case in point, several years ago, when we needed some extra money in, in the house, I went out and became a pizza delivery guy. And I would deliver pizzas to mansions. They'd have a, a boat in the yard, a really fancy car. They'd order $200 worth of pizza and give me a dollar tip. And I used to get really frustrated. My wife said, they're probably, everything's tied up in liabilities and they're not happy. They'd come to the door. They're going to scowl on their face. And so I don't, I think money's a magnifier of who you are. If you're miserable when you're poor, you're going to be miserable when you're rich. If you're happy when you're, you're poor, you'll probably be rich. You'll be happy when you're rich. Do you agree with that? No. <laughs> really? Okay. This is fascinating. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that money is the end all be all. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a magnifier of who you are. Yeah, I think it can be a magnifier of who you are, but I don't think it leads to happiness. Oh, I um, agree with that 100%. And, and, you know, Aristotle did say that happiness is the end all be all. And again, kind of where, where I started in this conversation was, you know, hey, you know, we are placing and defining success and wealth and money as something outside of ourself. Mm. But, and I believe that it instead is inside of ourself. And so what if we changed the positioning and the framing of how we're holding these things, including happiness? Happiness isn't outside of ourself. Mm -hmm. Happiness sits right here inside of you. And so what's happening inside of you? Um, Marcy Smirnoff has a, a saying that she calls like happiness set point, And it's like based on some science and research. And this um, kind of explains everything to me in the most interesting piece of research. It's like, Think of like happiness as like a thermostat setting. And no matter what happens to you, whether it's good or bad, you'll tend to return to your happiness set point, even if you win the lottery, right? This explains why when people win the lottery that, you know, you think that they're going to be super happy, but a couple months later, maybe even a year later, it's found that those, those same people have returned to their original happiness set point. So something happens when people have, um, tragedies or bad things that can like, you know, create a depression, can, can create a grief. But over time, months or years, they're going, going to again, come back to that happiness set point. And so, you know, what's interesting to, to me about all of this is like what the research is also showing us that about 50% of our happiness thermometer level is based on our genetics. 50%. Yeah. And, and, you know, earlier this year I had a genetics test done and we can now test for, are you a worrier? Like you worry about things in your life or are you a warrior? Do you have the warrior gene? You're like, oh, I'm going to go get it. You know, like <laughs> I'm out there. So the warrior or warrior, um, and I'm the, I have the warrior gene, right? So I have more tendency towards things like anxiety and, and so you can test for these kinds of genetic markers. Well, we now know that the happiness thermostat is, is 50% genetic. Only 10% um, are about our circumstances or, you know, what, what those circumstances actually are. And 40% of the remaining 50% is about our habits, our thoughts, and our behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so, and so this happiness level, kind of taking it to another, another peekaboo, that 
50% that is our like based on our DNA, our genes. And the scientists in the field of epigenetics are also telling us that those genes can be influenced when we change our happy, our, our habits, our thoughts, and our behaviors. And so 90% of our happiness set point is determined then, Mark, by our habits, our thoughts, and our behaviors. And this is so exciting to me because that equals freedom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? And again, what is that? Is that anything outside of you? No. That is about all the things that are inside of you. What's happening inside of you. So happiness is about your happiness, your your habits, your thoughts, and your behaviors. That's what we need to look at if we think about being happy and being happy in our relationship with wealth. Well, very well said. I will I will tell you, uh, the listener, if you are listening to this, how many times you've gotten a new adult toy? I'm not talking about the sexual kind. I mean, like iPhones, watches. I could tell you when I get my new iPhone, my new Apple Watch, my new AirPods, I'm so excited for a couple of days. And it's like, eh. you know, it's because it doesn't, it's an external. It, it brings me happiness for a brief moment. And then I'm like, what's the next thing? But contrast that with, I, I share the story all the time in my show. So if you've listened for a while, you know it. If you're listening to this for the first time, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for tuning in. So I lost my job in July of 2005. And from July 2005 to the end of 2020, I made a total of $40,000. A very loving and supportive wife who encouraged me on my entrepreneur journey. I made so many mistakes along the way, spending so much money. But the point is, I still woke up every day excited because I was happy doing what I wanted to do. And that ties back to the point we made earlier that money didn't make me happy. Doing what I was doing made me happy. And I, I share that with people to realize that if you're not making money, you got to make sure that you're, you're, you're trying to tap into what makes you happy. Because like you said so eloquently, Jennifer, it's got to start inside. You can't look for the dream job or the dream car or uh, the money to make you happy. It's got to start from inside you. And I love how you talked about habits because that's something that's within your control. That's right. That's right. And, and in order to really sh like, oftentimes Mark, people will be like, yeah, I'm going to like, you know, do this 30 day challenge. I'm going to like, shit, I'm going to change my whole life. I'm going to diet. I'm going to, you know, exercise. I'm going to do all these things. And how, like, how long does that last? <laughs> maybe a few days, maybe yeah. a few weeks. Right. And so why is it that it's so challenging to actually change our habits? Well, because our habits are largely dependent upon our beliefs about ourself. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Do you know, we, we think we want to shift something. We think we want to make more money, but in fact, our behaviors are set up in, in such a way as leaders, as entrepreneurs that we're not looking at our numbers. We don't understand what those numbers are. We don't, we're not reviewing our, our numbers. We're not having money dates where we're sitting down and looking at what's coming in, what's going out and what's my profitability and some basic kind of key financial decision markers. So we're saying that I want to go, you know, lose some weight. We're saying that I want to go make more money and yet we're avoiding the very thing that will help us do it. Well, why? Because of what's going on inside about how we feel about ourselves. 
Ooh, getting juicy. <laughs> you know, as you're as you're talking there, you know, I the thought that came to my head. There's one of the commercials. I think it's Staples. It's got an easy button uh, on the commercial. And, you know, we like things easier. If I could just do something easy to make me happy. Uh, case in point, my wife is not materialistic at all. I'm the materialistic person in the house, right? She doesn't want gifts. She wants quality time. Well, me, because I'm materialistic, I'm like, can I just buy you the Hope Diamond? It's easier, but she doesn't want that. <laughs> she That's easy. She wants my time. And I think a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they want it. An easy, give me an easy thing to do. Let me take this easy pill. Let me take this easy thing. Uh, give me happiness. But I think you say that's just not going to happen. Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. It's just not going to happen, period. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's darn it, listen to the wrong podcast today. Yeah, wait a minute, Jennifer Love. That doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I'm sorry, honey, but you know, the the truth is that this thing called being human requires <laughs> self-inquiry and requires discipline. Like just like training a puppy, our brain is like training a puppy, I say. You know, you know what is required in order to train a puppy? Mark, what do we need? There's two primary things. What do we need? A lot of to patience to be one. To be one. Oh, what, a lot, of, a lot of patience for sure. But the very first thing that we we need to to be able to train a puppy is to know what we want to train it to do. Ah, yes. Right. Yes. And so, do we want the puppy to go outside in a certain part of the yard? Right. And so then we've got to we've got to pattern that. We've got to literally take that with that patience and that discipline and that commitment to that part of the yard over and over and over and over and over and over again. And before we know it, what happens is that puppy's like, Hey, excuse me, I need to go. And then it just wanders over into that part of the yard and that's where it knows to go. Well, our brain is just like this. We've got to know what it is that we actually are believing or thinking. What are those concepts that we're holding on to that maybe aren't even true? Maybe they're not even ours. Maybe we inherited them from our parents. And we're like, can we return to sender, please? Because <laughs> this is not even mine. <laughs> right? And so, and so we want to choose what our thoughts are. But in order to really choose what we want, we have to know what's even there. Ooh, getting juicy again. Yeah. And so part of the, part of the work that I do with clients very small part, but a very important part is tracking an unwholesome thought, self-judgment behavior log for like two weeks. And every day you write down what are, what, a, what is my inner critic saying to me today? You can do this for a specific thing like money or you can do it for any area of your life really. And what is, what is your inner critic? What are those negative beliefs, thoughts, judgments that you're having with yourself. And if you do this every day for two weeks to a month, ooh, you get some really powerful insights. I have a whole process of like how to compost that because so many of those things you're going to see for yourself if you decide to do this. You can come into one of my workshops and do this. You can see that some of those aren't even true. 
And so with those that aren't true, you take it and you just throw it into the trash can, like on the file, the trash can file on your computer, like just go dump it in there. And if that thought ever comes back up again, because it will, what you do is you literally just take your mind somewhere else. You give it no more attention, no more thought. It doesn't deserve another ounce of your energy. You take your mind somewhere else, like to a floating cloud, right? Now, for the ones that are true or sometimes true, well, then we can we can look at the wholesome aspect on the other side of that. And we can compost that to see, well, wait a minute. Hmm, I'm not good with money or numbers or I, I feel like I'm just really bad at math. You know, whatever belief you're holding on to about money underneath that is like, well, actually, I just really care deeply about learning the right way the first time. And what's keeping me from doing this right now is that I'm afraid that I have to go faster than I need to. Whoa. Okay. So back up the train. You actually care deeply about learning. You care deeply about mastery. Awesome. So let's, let's just like have a conversation with that fear and say, well, wait a minute. Can we just back up the train here? Because you are actually someone who values mastery and excellence. Let's just get you what you need so that you can actually really learn this the first time right now in whatever capacity or process is right for you. Let's get you what you need. Oh, okay. So then we can begin to really flip that script on that thought process and begin to then shift the behavior because of how we're now holding it emotionally. See how this works, Mark? Mm, (laughs) Really powerful stuff. It is. And I love when you talked about writing down our thoughts. Uh, I have gone full circle from print journals to everything electronic. Now I'm back to a bullet journal. I love the bullet journal. And there's two things I write in my bullet journal every day. Number one, in the morning, I answer this question, what would make today awesome? And I write anywhere from one to three things that would make today awesome. By the way, this interview was on that list this morning. At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. I asked myself, what are three amazing things to happen today? And this interview is probably going to be on the list again, because when I write these things down, I'm not keeping them in my head. I'm actually putting it on the paper. I'm like, wow, this is a pretty good day today. And so I'm a big fan of writing things down. Don't keep things in your head because you're going to tell yourself stories. So get yourself a journal and just write this stuff down because it becomes more real to your subconscious mind. It becomes, it becomes, you're able to see it. You're able to become aware. And again, when we get to that level of, of awareness around what the thoughts are that we're holding onto that aren't true or that maybe are true. Then it's like, well, we can begin to sort through what do I actually really want in my life? What do I want to choose? What's true for me? You know, when you're talking about the dog, you know, training the dog to go outside, we have a 45 pound lab mix. And when we first got her, we have this big backyard that's fenced in. She would go to the far corner to take care of business, right? We didn't train her. She can use the whole backyard as her bathroom. We don't care because we don't have kids or anything like that. And, and as she got older, we noticed that she started doing it along the fence line, which is really weird. Now she just goes wherever she wants to go. I don't care. I go up and clean it up every day. I don't really care. But it's so funny because it took her a while to realize 
oh, I this this whole yard is my bathroom. And it's so funny because she'll have to look for a perfect place to take care of her business. And I just think it's funny because she went from one corner to realizing the whole yard is her kingdom and she could do whatever she wants to do. So I just, that thought had nothing to do with what you were talking about, but I just wanted to share with my listener because that's what they expect out of me. She just wants freedom. She just wanted freedom. <laughs> well, she did something about a week ago. I'm outside. I like to go outside and read in the sun. Again, I don't have my electronic devices. I'm reading a print book. And she took care of business like four feet away from me. I'm like, girl, seriously? You have this whole yard. You had to do it four feet away. to go get the shovel. She's, she's gotten really comfortable, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I had to go get the shovel and clean it up because I couldn't stand out there. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But, yeah, she was very comfortable. So I hope that brought the smile to uh, both Jennifer and the listeners' uh, face. So Jennifer, we talked a lot. I mean, I'm definitely going to title this episode living a wealthy life because people are going to see that title like, Oh, Jennifer's going to teach me how to be rich. And like you said at the very beginning, Jennifer, that is not what you're talking about here. So hopefully if you made it this far in the episode, you realize she's not talking about strictly money, but she's talking about living a a wealthy life. I really love that. So uh, before we get, before I ask you the final question, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave with us today? Well, I will say that in the living wealthy equation, as I hold it and define it, you know, money is a part of that. Growing wealth in in the modern definition of that is part of that equation, but it is not the entirety of that equation. Mm. It is the wealth that is inside of you. And the more that you grow the wealth inside of you, let me just tell you, the easier it becomes to grow the wealth outside of you. And so it becomes it becomes more easeful. It becomes more joyful. You begin to learn how to actually savor and feel the satisfaction in your life and like really soak up that juiciness. I keep talking about juicy. I like that word. <laughs> People are going, I'm, a, I'm hungry. <laughs> and, and so, you know, to me, it, it is the four different wealth zones, I call them, right? What's happening for you spiritually? Because it's in our spiritual wealth zone that our sense of belonging connection, you know, with greater source, God, if you want to call it that, and with ourself and with others, with the, with the world. And then that's, that's also where generational wealth and legacy is housed and our emotional wealth zone. I mean, this is really where, where I'm talking about like, you know, we're making 90% of our decisions from our finance, from about our finances, from our emotional wealth zone. Well, Guys, like, how do you feel about yourself? Do you feel like you are enough? Do you, are you open or are you operating from a place of fear? Because when we're operating from a place of fear in the world, what happens in our body? Imagine, like, think about it. We're closing down. We're, we're protecting ourselves. We're tightening up. Do you think that we're able to receive when we're all tight? Mm-hmm. No. Right. And so, so what's happening in your emotional wealth zone that's keeping you open and available to even receiving more money in your, in your life. And that mental wealth zone that we spent some time talking about today, like what are the beliefs that you're holding on to about yourself, about money, right? It, you know, are you like, I want to make more money, but you know, I, I'm not good with numbers and, and money and math. So therefore I'm avoiding it. Well, that's not going to really work out well for you. Right. And then what are, you know, the physical wealth zone, what are your financial behaviors? Are you saving and investing? What is your what is your relationship with contribution? You know, how are you giving 
in the world? Are you invoicing before work begins? Or are you waiting weeks, months, you know, to to invoice a client? So therefore you're running into cash flow problems, right? I could go on and on, Mark. But all of these four wealth zones and what's happening for you in them is what makes up the quality, ability, and capacity for you to live wealthy from the inside out. That that is powerful. This is an episode uh, people want to listen to again because you gave so much information. But I want them also to connect with you. So where yes. can we go to find out more about you and to give a nod to Steve Jobs to find out the the dent you're putting in the universe? <laughs> well, head over to jenniferlove.com. I have a living wealthy quiz on the website, and you can just take that quiz. It's 20 questions. And it really gives you a snapshot of where are you in your four different wealth zones. Um, You can also come over to um, Instagram. I love to play with folks over on Instagram and I'm the Jennifer Love there. Excellent. Well, you are the awesome Jennifer Love on the podcast. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing your insights. It was an awesome privilege having you here. What a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.